Hi, this is Florian for 99 Startups, and today I have a new guest, so introduce yourself. Hi, Florian. Thank you very much for the invitation. Um, I'm Victor. I'm part of the innovation team at Ergo. Um, before that, I founded my own company after studies, and um, yeah, now I'm helping Ergo to innovate in the insurance industry. So hi, how did you get your job? Like, how did you start in Ergo and how did you land where you are today? Yeah, actually, funny story. So uh, I've been part with my startup in the Axel Springer Plug and Play uh, Accelerator at that times. And uh, Ergo had a partnership program with Axel Springer. And um, yeah, once we were done, basically, with, with our startup, um, one of the Ergo employees that were part in the Accelerator was actually our first customer. And then uh, he approached me and said, hey, you know what? Um, we are looking for people that are not coming from the insurance industry that um, have more like an entrepreneurial drive and background. And I think you would be like a great addition to the team. And uh, yeah, whether I could imagine uh, joining Ergo. And um, at that point of time, I was really unsure about it. Um, and then we agreed that I start as a freelancer and I did it for one year actually. And then, um, after one year I, I joined Ergo full time. And you started as a, as a company builder in, in the company itself, or what was your, your job you need you did as freelancer for Ergo? Basically I did the same job. Um, so I'm working as a project manager in the innovation department, which means, um, in yeah together with our internal departments um, we are building um, new digital products or services um, to either yeah create enhance efficiency um, create new services for our customers and um, one of our main focus is always to explore new technologies and so when we see something coming up um, whether it was chatbots or voice applications in the past. Now we're doing that with VR. Um, we are doing a lot of things with uh, PSD2, IoT, whatsoever. Um, we are the department that tackles new um, technologies and try to make them work for the company. So it was like always the, the job description for the department, yes? Um, so your job is to to um, find new technologies and to um, analyze them, how could be the value for the insurance um, field? Yeah, exactly. But we are just being like one part of a larger, larger strategy, of course. So there are departments that are investing in startups. Um, there are departments that um, check back with our internal stakeholders, what are their needs and looking for startups that could like fill these needs. Um, there are departments that are um, focusing on ecosystem development, especially for mobility. Um, then we have an, an internal department where we founded a new company. So we are building a new insurance company from inside. Um, so there are a lot of initiatives going on, obviously, within the transformation of Ergo. And um, yeah, we are one part of it trying to... Um, build products and services using new technologies um, to enhance our business. So then let's, let's 
start from, from the beginning. So how would you define innovation? What is innovation for you? Um, <laughs> tough question, definitely. Um, I guess I'm, I'm not so, uh, if, if I'm looking at our, our department, I'm not that, that bullish that you're saying we need to completely um, change our business model or whatsoever. Um, so currently, I think coming from the digital, um, from the, let me say, digital scene, um, knowledge about all the startups or what is, what is possible with new technologies and then watching established processes and then bringing both worlds together and creating something new and get it on a whole new level um, to better support our employees and of course to enhance our customer experience. That's already like a huge step that we can take. Um, on the long run, obviously, we definitely need to check whether the whole business model changes and we need to be aware of all changes that are going on in the in the broader society um in the um yeah requirements from our customers what they're expecting yeah. from us and stuff like that so how do you prioritize then if you find something like how do you how do you work then with it or if you have you're working with chatbots or you're working with uh augmented reality How do you um, how do you value it then? Like, how do you um, give points to it? How do you work then with the topic? Basically, we focus on on three different things. So, first thing that we take into consideration is is the technology mature enough? So, is the technology already ready um, to be implemented in our company? And and how early is it? The second thing is um, how do we create value? So on, we focus on four different dimensions. So either create brand um, brand reputation to um, increase customer satisfaction, to uh, reduce costs or to uh, increase revenue, obviously. So where on these four um, impact dimensions is that, is that project? Um, and lastly, we are also checking our internal stakeholders. Obviously, in a large corporation, you have stakeholders that are more willing to take risks or more willing to uh, try new things. And there are departments that are a bit more hesitant uh, and not so risk-taking. And being honest, we are just at that point a bit like a bit opportunistic and we choose the departments we like to work with and where we also know um, we will get that live because yeah. um, also for us, our job is more satisfying if we, if we work on a project that actually ends up being, uh, being implemented because otherwise there's like, is no reason for us. So um, that are the main three things that we are watching at before deciding what kind of project we're taking on. So how long you stay in the project? So when it is, is it finished for you? Like how do you define the, the finished point? Yeah. So when we, I, I really remember it quite well um, when we had a new strategy program coming out and there was like 
probably a large consultancy um, giving us this slide and saying, yeah, that's how you do innovation now. And it's like this 130, 90, whatsoever process that you should follow. And then you, you do the handover to the internal departments. And if you're really running the projects, you're, you're realizing very early that none of the project is like another and there can't be like a fixed process um, on how the project is developing. I think what is important that you still implement your milestones and also kind of stage gates where you say we continue the project or also we are shutting it down. Um, but definitely some projects need a bit more support also in the longer run. Some projects are easier, easier to hand over. For example, with the chatbot thing, we know, okay, we are building, we're building the first case, the first use case. And if it's running and if it's also running with our customers and we get good feedback, then from there on, it was super easy because we could tell the internal department, okay, you want a, a second use case, just take these externals for X amount of, of money per use case and you will collect, you can increase the use cases and you can automize um, your conversations. Yeah. However, with other products, it's a, it's a bit uh, a larger problem. So you say, okay, we need to do a whole marketing and sales concept. We like really go to take the go-to market. Um, and then we see, okay, maybe the project is working. Maybe the product is not working. Maybe we need to adapt to another round again. And then when we see, okay, we can really generate sales or we can really reduce costs. And then it's a point of time where you can say, now we can hand it over. I think it comes with this level of uncertainty. So at, at what point of time it becomes planable for an internal department? So at what point of time they can say, okay, we need to put that amount of resources for that point of output into that project and then we can maintain it. Um, and that is a really good point to hand over. The more uncertainty you have, the more we are involved. The less uncertainty... Yeah the better yeah. you hand it over. That's, that's a really nice summary. Yeah. 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 That's a really good point. How do you, how do you handle resources? Especially if you said like there's a lot of different technology knowledge needed, uh, or then there may be coming developers in to build certain stuff or maybe marketing know-how. So how, how do you handle that? Do you do all yourself in your department or do you cooperate or use freelancers? What's, what's your strategy there? Um, yeah, so we are very often involving uh, externals, um, especially if we are working with technologies that we are not experts in. So my colleagues that are like me more from a generalist perspective, so we are good in, the, in, in product management, but we are not the expert in virtual reality, obviously. So um, we enhance our team with externals and we also very much like to work very, very close with them. So me personally, I'm not a huge fan of hiring an agency and saying that's what we want, like, and then we will see each other in three in three months and you come back and deliver it. I really like hire freelancers or maybe also like one or two employees of an agency and then mingle together here in our Berlin office. Say we are really working together as a project team and and we will deliver it together and we will be involved every week in every planning, in in, in every backlog discussion whatsoever 
Um, and then obviously we, we are dependent on our internal stakeholders. So they know how very often of the process of the product is always coming from the internals. So we always also need volunteers of them, from them that they're involved in the product. Um, and then we, then we see sometimes um, what we can handle internally. So for example, Ergo built up a huge um, IT department in Poland um, where we especially hired um, new, um, I mean, new in quotation marks, developers from a newer tech stack and whatsoever. So uh, we also have like very good experience working with them together. And, and if they are free and they have resources, we also very much like to use, to use them and to work with them. Um, but within our department, at least we have the freedom to also hire externals. Yeah. Yeah, definitely good. So you have a probably a fixed budget and you need to kind of move this project in this budget kind of. And then in this area, in this borders, you can do whatever you want kind of and then see if you um, reduce the uncertainty. So um, do you have examples where you say you needed to stop a project and you didn't get it uh, with full power on the street and can give it to someone who would take it over where you need to say, okay, it's, it's not ready enough or the uncertainty show, the certainty showed it's not working. What are examples of, of that? Oh uh, yeah. Um, we, ha we have to be honest and um, especially in innovation, um, there are of course coming projects that we need to stop at some day. And yeah. I think we also need to see it as a good sign um, yeah. because if we wouldn't need to stop any project, it would mean that we didn't push hard enough. So if we're just yeah. doing very little improvements, then obviously the majority should go live. Um, but if we do bigger shots, then definitely we need to, to shut them down at one point of time. Yeah. So actually there was like one uh, project, it was very much attached to me, um, that uh, is an insurance product for... Um, for digital nomads, um, which I still believe is uh, is, a, is a great product idea. Um, but nevertheless, we needed to realize at, at one point of time that due to various compliance reasons and complexity, if you want to build like an, an health insurance product um, compliant in every country in the world, um, is like a huge challenge. And we definitely like, learned a lot during the process and me personally learned also a lot about how building insurance products. Um, but nevertheless, at the end, we, we, we failed on that point and couldn't bring it live because we weren't able to, um, yeah, tackle all the legal and, and compliance issues, um, on that part. Um, I think that is still something that we may take over in the future. If, regulation change or what, whatever um, and there we needed to to close it down but at the end it was also important at one point of time to close it because um, if it takes too long um, it's just taking too much space from your focus it's it's taking too much time and, and resources um, for a project that, that won't go live and um, if you then have kind of stage gates and, and look like where have you got to and um, what do you think, like how much will it take to, to get it done? 
And if it's not feasible, then um, be sure to close it and to invest your time in other um, more feasible projects. And that was like a hard discussion because I really believed in the yeah. in the project yeah. idea. But um, for now, um, afterwards, I can say it was like a correct decision um, because it it freed us up for um, doing other projects. Yeah, I think it's also one of the hardest things uh, to do to stop what you think is right and just to stop this path and to do a and do a different path and to do this make this decision is one of the hardest decisions you do as an innovation manager definitely. So and um, the key factors you already said like um, check what's what's needed to do be there, check the tracker code until now and see what's the projection saying and if the projection is not so good then be honest enough to say, okay, that's not a good invest of our time and resources. We should do something else. Even if it's hers, even if it's a good idea, even if it's good market, if the uh, protection is not good, probably it's time to do something else. So uh, what are examples of, of uh, successful projects, like successful stuff, innovation stuff you did? Yeah, or you, so, you guys um, did as a company? Yeah, for example, um, if we really look at our department, um, one great initiative that we definitely did um, was our topic regarding voice. Um, so it was already two years ago um, where we said, okay, you know, we see a rise in usage of Alexa, of Siri and Google Assistant and whatsoever. And we want to be um, part of that. And then we decided, okay, we, we are exploring that field. And what we did is we built three easy use cases with Alexa um, for three different topics. Um, one was our motor insurance, one for our travel insurance. Uh, we actually have been like the first insurance that you could buy via Amazon Alexa and also Amazon Pay. And um, that's how we like kind of got into the technology. And then we realized, okay, um, what we learned in that process, we can also use an, in different use cases. And obviously, the big um, value creation in voice assistance is not via uh, the assistance itself, but it's in our telephone. Because if we can create a conversation over the assistant, we can definitely also use the same conversation in our telephone. Yeah. And... Um, Once we started um, using that knowledge in the telephone, there we had like the huge business business value because yeah. we could like optimize, I don't know, like damage claims or what, whatsoever. Yeah. Then now we had a telephone. And that actually went that far that like we created a whole new unit within Ergo that is now only doing um, voice conversations and um, voice bots. And um, they're really enhancing all the time, um, building new use cases. And um, yeah, several employees now working specifically in that department. That definitely has been like a huge, uh, huge success for us. Yeah, nice example. Um, you also said that like you're especially not scared of uh, big innovations, uh, bigger parts, bigger goals. And then you're getting into the field of disruption. So uh, what do you think about that? Yeah, that's that's what everybody aims for, right? Everybody wants to disrupt the whole the whole industry. Um, I think 
for for us um what like ergo did um not me personally but what ergo did is that uh, already four years ago they decided to um yeah build a new insurance company on the green field and it's still doing insurances but all the processes behind are done completely differently so there's a completely different model on how we uh, evaluate risk there's a completely different model on on how we are doing services um there's a completely different it infrastructure um there's a completely new branding and so on and so on and um that always gives also ergo an example um on how you also can do insurance business and what kind of um kpis you can actually achieve and then learn from that and then implement it also for your business and um i think that has been already like a huge a huge shot definitely the second thing um that we are also fostering is this ecosystem development um and that's also a bit different because we are maybe giving up the customer channel um but we are really working as a partner um within the industry so one example um is our um our partnerships with the automotive industry yeah. for example if you are in your bmw and you um say oh i want to have a great weekend am i going on nürburgring and i need an insurance for the nürburgring you can like book the insurance inside your car so in the car menu um you're booking in the the insurance and you actually don't care from which company it's coming from um yeah. but it's us behind and that's also how we get revenue and that obviously requires completely new um IT infrastructure solutions completely new product solutions um and that also required us for for building uh, a new company only working on those partnerships and that also has been like a huge success for us um and then lastly um I think what we what we already see with with voice but also with other internal technologies um we can think about whether we will also be a potential um tech supplier to other insurance or um insurance companies or, or banking industry for example so um if we are creating phone bots for claim damages um they'll definitely be relevant also to other um to other companies obviously and um we will be definitely in the competition with the traditional tech suppliers but um reporting a hail damage um via phone is very much specific and might be like an interesting um topic also for other companies so maybe in the long run we will have like certain technologies that we may also offer um to other industries and that's definitely then a huge huge change yeah that's correct so if you have good things uh, running on your side which could be valuable for different companies it makes sense to to bring them on as well there's a reason why amazon built it amazon, amazon web services because they need to make sure that their um, e-commerce shop is always available and then build yeah. a really nice infrastructure and then got the idea hey someone else could probably use this infrastructure as well 
So yeah, definitely a good point. So if we are already in the, in this in this um, in this area, where do you think will be the insurance sector in five years and ten years? Where will the the developing go? Um, <laughs> hard hard to uh, hard to look in the future. Obviously, I think one one trend that we can see also one. Yeah, one direction that we want to explore um, a bit more is obviously the topic of prevention, because usually yeah. um, people don't want to have like the the damage and then get like reimbursed fast or anything, and that like by a nice application or like a good mobile page, and I don't know, you can see your transparent status and whatever you want to do. Um, that's obviously minimum requirement today, but actually you don't want to have the damage itself. Yeah. So um, in the future, we will definitely have to see how can we be a good partner for our customers in preventing damages. And obviously, technology will play a huge part in that um, in every in every area of your life, be it at home, be it on the on the go. Um, and we need to um, find a way to be relevant in your everyday life to prevent you from damages and then maybe we are not reimbursing like we're not charging you for reimbursement like we're not getting a premium and then reimbursing you for damage but we will you will pay us like a little monthly fee for us helping you preventing the damages yeah um, and that definitely could be a huge change um in the in the in the insurance business yeah but, that's good um, yeah yeah could change the whole business model how it works it's like similar like if, if companies uh, like the car companies realize um you don't want to own a car you just want to be driving from a to b so this changes their business model as well if they just uh, rent out the time in the car it could be similar that like you guys say okay um we go more on the prevention and we charge that to prevention itself and, uh, and uh, yeah yeah we're well, interesting way interesting interesting uh could be an interesting future in this uh, this way um so if you say if a young person would come to you and say oh i want to become an innovation manager as well what would be your recommendations to him to 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 go the right path let's say he's finished with school so what would what would be the best steps for him the next best steps Yeah, I think that the best steps is always to um, use all the um, available resources and do something by your own. Like create a small web shop, um, create your own podcast. Uh, I don't know, whatever you are like passionate about, um, he definitely should pursue that. And I think um, if somebody is applying for like, an innovation digital whatever position they should yeah prove that they have that they have knowledge in that and it's like not in in theory but it's in practice it like you yeah. need to be out you need to talk to customers you need to receive feedback you need to iterate your idea um you need to see that it's very much also about execution not like your idea that doesn't bring you anywhere um there are so many things and that just that just happens if you really do it so um i could just like encourage everybody not to talk about it but to just do it and um 
also when it fails and like half a year later you say okay I, i'm shutting it down um th that's totally fine um but you really like create something tangible that it's like, in the market like push yourself out there and like receive feedback and then then work with that and it, it doesn't have to do anything with money because nowadays there are like so many um open resources that you can use um to create something which mainly requires your time and investment to to learn the things they're like webinars and free courses for basically everything um so yeah sit down study and like um bring something out in the market that's like the best learning you definitely can do and then you also can help every other company um, doing these experiments. So, um, yeah, that I completely, would be nice, I, I completely agree on the, on the execution part you mentioned, uh, 100%. But I would add something. Probably I would advise this person to focus on the problem first. Because solution is the one thing and execution is the other thing. But um, understanding the problem and have passion for the problem is really valuable because as better you understand the problem as more with solutions you can come up and then try out and the other things you already mentioned is like don't be scared of things you don't know or you have no idea how to do it just starting to learn it and try it out and figuring out how, how it goes because nothing is rocket science so everything is possible and you only know what you can do and what you can't do if you try it out. And then um, you will so see where the way leads you. And then the only next hard thing is um, to figuring out when is the right, right time to stop and do something else. This is then always the hardest next thing to do, to figuring out when to try the next thing in the same field because you already know a lot, you already tried a lot. And when to say, okay, I should do something else. I think regarding the problem, the problem uh, focus, um, it's definitely correct. But I think the hard part is that usually if you have an idea, the idea already consists of the solution. So very often like people, I think when they're like under the shower or they observe something, they say, oh yeah, we could like do this to solve that problem. So they very often have like a solution in mind. Yeah, And I also think, it's a good starting point because it gets you moving. It gets you started. However, like the important part is being open enough to change the solution during the way. Yeah. So if you think we can like start with this, like go start with it and then do your first tests and then be open enough to adapt the solution to something else. And then it, it will lead you somewhere. And um, yeah, I think that's like the, the important part of it. Yeah, completely agree. And also to add to it, test as fast as possible. Like don't don't build something for one year and then test it. No, no. Draw something on a piece of paper, write a story and tell someone the story and then try to figure out what the reaction is. Test as fast as possible because the uh, truth, if your idea is good or not, doesn't lie in you. It lies on the, on the people which should benefit from this uh, solution. And only them, only their decision is, is valuable. And then the next thing to add to figuring out if it's how valuable for them it is, check if they give you money for it. Money speaks on this point roof, not like to be greedy or something. No, it means it, it's really valuable for them. So so valuable that they gift you their money 
or maybe their time. So if it's a social thing, their time is also a good indication that your solution is really good. Otherwise, you have to travel that maybe people just want to be nice to you. And uh, this could be also a trap. Cool. Yeah, I think that what we also did with the uh, nomad insurance idea, for example, um, like we just sat down, um, built like a very easy web page, like just like, uh, I don't know, WordPress, whatever, like just what you can done in, uh, in a day. And then um, there was like a breakfast in a co-working space uh, we were part of. And then in that breakfast, we said, yeah, we launched a new product called Digital Nomad Insurance. Who want to buy it? And like, we will be there like after 10 o'clock in that office and you can come by. And like, we didn't have anything. Like we just had the name. It was just the idea. And we like built a page and then like we waited for people coming and then used that to ask them what kind of like insurance protection do they really need? because that was like the only thing we had um and and yeah i think that was like a good example on on how little you could like start um to already get some feedback from your idea um and yeah that therefore you're definitely correct uh can just like put a plus one on your testing <laughs> correct correct so especially if you work in innovation and uh, startup field maybe also um how do you think about work-life balance so how do you handle personal personally your work-life balance yeah um i think it's a super important topic um everybody should definitely um observe themselves and i also uh, experienced it uh, with friends of mine that like either had already like kind of first burnout syndromes or uh, either also body reactions. Um, so definitely um, everybody needs to observe that and everybody also needs to find its, its way, his ways to, to relax and to recharge. Um, and I have to, I have to be honest, like for me, Work-life balance, I don't know whether I'm really agreeing to the term because um, I don't would be like separating too much between work and life um, because I think if people say like, I need to work for some, for my life, I think it's like, it could lead to like a trap and it makes you a bit miserable because um If, if I'm thinking about work, it's like a huge part of my life and um, I like what I'm doing and I like, I never have this issue of, oh no, it's Monday morning, 7.30, eight o'clock, I don't know. And now I need to get to, I need to get to work and like the next eight hours are shit. Um, it's just, if, if you like what you're doing and like you have fun and you have like nice colleagues, um, then the, the general day is, is already fine. And then I think also like in the evening, um, you like still can, you're not completely stressed out or whatsoever. Um, and then I think it's totally fine. Um, if you also sometimes work a bit later, sometimes if you then, I don't know, on a Sunday, you like say, okay, I want to prepare my week. I want to be expert. that. I think that's totally fine because it doesn't feel like a burden. It's like not that it gets getting you down. Um, and then, then it's totally fine. And if it if it's not the case for you, then maybe change the job. Um, because, yeah, it's the majority of your time 
um, you're spending on your job. So um, try to get that right. Um, and then, yeah, obviously find your times to to spend with friends, um, to do sports, whatever. Yeah, definitely. It's like, it's like interesting. I think it's also a really big point in energy perspective. So does your job give you energy or take energy of you? Or if it's not, it's normally not always one or the other, it's probably a mix, but the end of the week is the question or end of the year is the question. Did it give you more energy or did it take more energy in the long run? This is also probably something which is really important to keep an eye on and like to, to manage your, your energy well and then probably also keep your priorities correct so how you said like work should be passionate work should be fun uh, you should like your work and then but also keep your other priorities whatever they will be in in check and then see how this balances out at the end of the day how you said like meet friends do sports and so on because um normally there's a saying if you if you if you're lying there and you're about to die at the end of your life You never say, oh, fuck, I should have done more work. I should have worked these days more. Normally, uh, this ra rarely happens. Yeah. So um, the second last question I would have for you is, what are your favorite books? <laughs> um, also a tough question, I guess. Um, but I mean, there are so many... Um, good books out there and i also think i don't know like there are like probably way more successful people than me than already shared their favorite books and you can definitely have a look at them but i think what is important um what i needed to learn is how do you read and how do you like remember things well so like okay. be um like investigate whether you can better read in the morning or you can better read in the evening whether you should like listen to books via, I don't know, Audible or uh, whether you need these small summaries from Blinkist or whatever, or whether you really want to read the whole book or whether you need to read newspapers. So try to analyze like what is the, the best way for you um, to read and do you read for personal growth? Um, then like take these books or do you read for relaxing? Then maybe you read more fiction or whatever. So I think, um, be more um, conscious about what you're really reading and when you're reading. Um, and for me, it was super interesting. I, I had a podcast with uh, Naval Ravikant and um, he said, well, like he is reading, he reads one page and then analyzes what was inside and starts Googling and wants to get behind it because once you really get behind it, you really remember it um, and, and it stays in your head. And um, that was for me super interesting um, to uh, maybe not like directly read it as a whole and like within one night, but yeah. So my advice is more be conscious about when to read um, and like for what reason and then, then choose the books for it. But I think there are like a lot of advices already out there. <laughs> I really, I really like your ad advice and I really like your point, but I don't let you from the hook. So <laughs> which books... Uh, <laughs> helped you the most in last year or this year for your specific situation? So, um, okay, let me name one. Um, it's called Essentialism. Um, and it, it's one that really stuck with me and that I already uh, also like, gave as a present to a lot of my friends. And um, what particular reason I really liked that it has a really great drawing inside. Um, so it has like a small circle 
and then uh, a lot of arrows in every direction of the circle um, because you're doing like 360 degree a lot of different projects mainly and you're not getting really far and then there's another circle with only one arrow and that gets you really far and that is like a great image of like prioritize and focus maybe only on one project because then you can get really get far and the other one is like doing 15 projects but you're only getting a very little and yeah. um, that was a great image that always stuck with my uh, stuck with me and um, therefore essentialism is one that I can recommend cool thank you very much and uh, my last question is uh, if you could go back in time to your 18 year old self what kind of advice would you give yourself yeah probably that will ever change so when you ask me in a week that will be maybe something else I don't know then we will but, hear each other um, in one week by the way <laughs> Um, I think what I what I really like currently is it's also an image um, I heard in, a, in, a, in another podcast I think and he said you should like, kind of organize your life like an athlete um, so if you look at the sports athlete for example then you have like your training period you have like your performance period your execution and then you have your resting period and then you return in that circle so you train, you execute, and then you rest. And then you train again, you execute again, and you rest again. Maybe always on a different level. So because you're getting always better. Um, and that circle can be definitely transferred to also your other areas um, in your life. So um, in the other areas in your life, try to use that, try to behave like an, an athlete. So um, whether it's building like friendships or it's like building your, your skills at, at work, um, there's like times where you train, there's like times where you use them. And then there's also maybe times where you like rest a bit and enjoy the moment. And then you like train again and execute. And so that's, that's how you get further. And um, yeah, I definitely would um, tell my 18 year old that, that image and to encourage it. Do you, do you have an example how you implemented it or how someone could implement it in an easier way? Because it sounds like a really cool concept, but I would spontaneously don't have a good idea how to implement it in a, in a daily life, like in a yeah, regular, I th I think, regular things to do life. Yeah. I think technology um, actually offers you a very good, a good way on that. Um, I don't know, for example, if you see, something very structured like programming. Um, I think there's definitely times where you can say, okay, I'm training, I'm learning a new coding language. Um, then you're executing because you're like, you're building a product. Um, then you're, you can use the product, which would be then the resting period. And then like you train where you like can enhance like a different, different language on top or how can you like enhance the product? Then you execute it again and continue building it. And like, Moment by moment, you will definitely get get better on it, and um, but like remind yourself of that process um, that you need to train, execute, and rest um, on that period. So it's probably about the focus to focus on a certain area with that because the focus is one thing, and then be be remember that like you have these four phases in this in this focus area, and then 
work through them. And then if you're really good, you can probably have several focus areas at the same time because it's hard to do something 24 hours. Um, normally you have always context changes. So yeah, okay, makes sense. I mean, you, you think what you're always, it's also funny, a lot of people when they're saying, I don't know, I'm going, I'm going out for a run because I want to be healthy or something. But very often like people just go out and run and like just say then I'm doing sports. But if you do it like as an athlete, you're saying, okay, I put like a target saying, I don't know, this week I'm doing 10 kilometers at that point of time. And then you like, you try to reach it and then you train for it and, and so on and so forth. And you get like better over time. And you're not just saying I'm running. And um, yeah, I think that's, that's important to, to remember. So it's also about creating targets where you can train for or build the skills up for and then reestablish it over time. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely a, a really good point. So awesome. So Victor, do you have something for the end you want to you wanna say to the audience? No, I, I'm good. I guess 50 minutes um, already had enough time. <laughs> Then I would say thank you very much that you took your time. It was a pleasure. Thank you very much too. Thanks very much for the invitation. And see you next time, guys. Bye-bye.